Well, today we're covering part two of what witness do we bear, and it will be part two and the final part, uh, I, I hope. But uh, last time we talked about the witness uh, born to and the witness born by ancient Israel, John the Baptist, the apostles, Jesus Christ, and we came down to the question of what witness are we to bear if we are to bear witness at all? What, what witness are we to bear? The, the, the term, this, and we should, we should define uh, that term as we turn, if you would. I, I think I told you we would pick up where we, uh, where we left off by going to Revelation 19. I asked if you would uh, take a look at that passage, uh, verses um, 5 through 10, to uh, consider where we might be going as we begin to look at this whole discussion of, of God's people and, and whether they're to bear witness, and if so, how do they bear witness? Let's, uh, let's define those terms again, uh, lest we uh, misunderstand where we're going with this. Vines, uh, as it talks about this term witness, as we talked last time, the, the Greek word there is martus, from which we get the word martyr. Martyr, uh, can, that can be a way of, of bearing witness, a, a way of bearing a record uh, of, of something, to bear record of, to, to witness something. Vines uh, talks about how it uh, is one who, in one way of saying it, is one who bears witness by his death. The person by that, by that action, uh, his or her actions, as he or she remained faithful all the way to God's way of life, bore witness of that, of, of that understanding and bore record of that understanding up through that person's death. The person was willing to die for that. One who follows through with faithful actions based on what he has seen or what he or she has heard or what he or she knows. These are those who uh, bear witness. They are ones who can or do assert uh, or state what they have seen or heard or know. They're, they're able to state that. And they can state that by what comes out of their mouths uh, as, they, as they bear witness, as they speak forth of what they, they believe and know, or, or simply by their actions. They they bear witness of what they know. That's, that's what we're getting at in terms of that uh, bearing witness. So, so how are God's people, are God's people to bear witness? And, and if so, how do they bear witness? That's what we're going to talk about today, and we're going to jump into it here by going to Revelation 19. Now, Revelation 19, of course, we're in, this is an inset chapter, and we're getting into the situation of the actual, this actual wedding supper that happens, uh, that occurs it says in verse 5 here, a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. We're getting close here to what we want to cover. So he said to me, he said, write, write, write this, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We 
Hope to be there, called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. These are the true utterings of God. So he says here in verse 10, the key part here, and I fell at his feet to worship him, but but this was an angel. And the angel said, no, 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 see that you do not do that. I'm your fellow servant, as we we know Hebrews 1 talks about. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren, and of your brethren, these, these individuals, fellow brethren, and of our brethren, and notice what it says here, who have, they, they hold on to, they have, they possess the testimony of Jesus. They, they possess that. They, they hold that. Do we possess the testimony? Do we have the testimony of Jesus? The Greek word there is martyrios. Uh, so it's that same Greek word that do, do we have the evidence given? Do we have the record? Do we have the, the report? Do we have that, that within us that, that we have seen, we know, we, we have heard, and it is a part of us? They, they possess that. These, these are the individuals who have this testimony uh, of Jesus. He says, worship God. For, and there the word is again, the testimony, the, the marturio, uh, marturia, the evidence given, uh, the record, the report, the witness, the witness of Jesus is, and then he makes this statement, the spirit of prophecy. It's the spirit of prophecy. What, what is he, he, he getting at there? I think an, an element of that may be better explained or, or fully, more fully brought out if we go over to 1 John Let's go to 1 John 5, this, this testimony, this, this, these statements, the words, uh, the, the record that, that, that Jesus gave. 1 John 5, I looked at uh, some, some notes that I've, I've found interesting. There was a minister in the church for years, uh, Mr. Richard Duncan, who uh, served in uh, the Pacific Northwest in God's church for many years. I remember uh, a series of, of Bible studies that he gave on the book of Revelation, and I, I came across this testimony of Jesus and then looked uh, to some of uh, my notes that, that uh, I had on his message on, on discussing this, this whole situation of, of, of what is this, this uh, spirit of, of prophecy here that is talked about in Revelation uh, 19.5 in in through 10. In, in the process, I, I was already looking at 1 John 5 with, with some of these terms, and it was interesting how he uh, connected this. I'd like to bring out some of what he said here just in the next few minutes. Uh, let's come to 1 John 5 then as we get to these, these three things which bear witness, Think these, these three things which tes, te, testify, or these three things which, which bear record of, of, of everything. Let's look at it here. First John uh, 4.20 talks about, uh, he who says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar, he, he doesn't love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hasn't seen? Uh, so he continues on, and then now we come to verse 1 of chapter 5. He who believes that Jesus is the anointed one, the, the Christ, is, is born of God. This person has been procreated by God, engendered by God, and everyone who loves him, who begot, 
also loves him who is begotten of him. This is, this is how we know that, that we love the children of God, when we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. So whatever is engendered by God over, overcomes the world. We, we overcome the, the world, as Revelation tells us, how we overcome Satan, but uh, tied to that, of course. And this is the victory uh, that has overcome the world. Our faith, what we, what we believe and understand to, to be. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus is the Son of God. Now, we get into this discussion then of this witness, this, this, this testimony, this way of bearing record of, of what we know. Okay, verse 6. This is he, speaking of, of, of Jesus Christ, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He didn't come only by water, but by water and blood. And it's the Spirit which bears witness. God's Holy Spirit bears record of that. God's Holy Spirit of, 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 of God, God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us bears record of the the uh, the the, the witness and the statements of Jesus because of, of what God is doing in us, the promises that he said, he said this would happen, and, and it bears witness of that. The Spirit is truth. Look at verse 7. For there are three that bear witness, and as I think most of us are aware, uh, there's this part that's added in later, later manuscripts that uh, were not in the original, so it picks up uh, later in verse 8, so we'll read it as it, as it is listed and most have that listed as we would read it here in their margins but there are three that bear witness there are three that that bear record of this uh, th these are really important areas the spirit god's spirit the water it could be referencing the, the the water the watery grave of baptism of what that is to be redeemed and brought back up again and the blood these three agree as one these if we receive the witness of men, he says, if we receive the, the martyria of, of men, the witness of God, the martyria of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. These that have this, this testimony of Jesus, as we read in Revelation 19, he who believes in the Son of God has that witness in himself. How are we to bear witness? Well, we cannot bear witness unless we have that witness, that, that record, that we, unless we have that in ourselves. And, and it's brought into us or placed in us through God's Holy Spirit, through his indwelling. That is, and, and, and from that, then we can be that witness as well. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed the testimony. Again, there's that word that God has given us of his Son. And this is the testimony. This, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son, uh, the, the witness of God, I mean, he, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of God. So, so think about that. Take that in, this, this witness of God, that we have the witness of God uh, 
in, in us, uh, as God has done that in us through the Son. And, and think about that now with respect to what we read in Revelation 19. So it, was, it said that thing, this, the, 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 have the testimony of Jesus, and, and it says this is the spirit of prophecy. This is a, a statement that, that uh, Mr. Duncan mentioned in, in his uh, study uh, all those years ago. I think it was back in the early, early 2000s. But he says uh, here, picking up, he says, So the angelic hosts and the human servants of God alike hold fast the testimony, the witness, the record, the word, and the teaching, and the example of Jesus Christ. The word, the teaching, the example, and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and, and mankind's Savior are all involved. The testimony all revolves around this. The testimony includes faith in the historic witness of Jesus as presented in the Gospels and that which he further imparted and imparts by his Holy Spirit in inspiring the rest of the Word of God. That includes the things recorded in the book of Acts, the general epistles, Paul's epistles, the books of Revelation, they're all part of it. The spirit of prophecy uh, means the teaching of Christ is by the spirit or by the breath. It is the, the, uh, that, that phrase of that... Uh, the dual meaning of, 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 as we see prophecy, the inspired teaching. It can mean the foretelling of events, but it also has that dual meaning of, of inspired teaching, that whole spirit of, of the teaching of, of the whole plan of God, of all of God's word, of what it means for each of us. That teaching is the essence of prophecy. Jesus Christ is at the heart and core of it all. He is the heart and core teacher of the truth of God. He is the one to whom the Gospels uh, witness as the Son of God and through whom prophecy came. Who gave Matthew 24? Who is the revelator of the book of Revelation? Who inspired the Old Testament prophets? Of course, that came through the operation of God's Spirit and through Jesus Christ. It is Christ who interprets and who reveals and opens up the prophecy in the Word of God and, and, and foretells the words of God. He's the revelator as the one who is being witnessed of as being the Son of God. But, but brethren, how do, we, how, do we, how do we bear witness? Are, are we to bear witness? And how should we do that? Let's go to Isaiah 43 here to uh, get into this element of how, of how we, as, as the church of God today, part of the body of Christ, uh, are to bear witness. Because I believe that we have a huge role to play in bearing witness uh, of, of God's way of life. As was mentioned earlier, these, these three things come out uh, continually in God's Word as we see this thread of this, this thing of, of witnessing. Uh, being able to state or assert what we have seen, what we have heard, or what we have known. Isaiah 43 is an interesting passage. Uh, to me, it's, it, it's obviously a, a millennial kind of statement, but as uh, description, but it also talks about the, the elements, I, I think by extension we can look to us now as the Israel of God and, and how we have, in a sense, received that witness. 
uh, think about it from the standpoint of, of you and me. Here we are uh, receiving God's truth and His understanding, understanding His plan, receiving God's Holy Spirit, the witness of God uh, dwelling in us. Here, Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now thus says the, the Eternal, who created you, O Jacob, and He formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name and... Uh, and you are mine. We are, we are God's. We are God's people. He has claimed us for himself. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. Uh, when you walk through the spire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the eternal, your God, the Holy One of Israel. I am your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. So critical for us as, as his own, as, as we look on what we've experienced this last several years, what we're going to experience in the future, to recognize that, that God has done this for us. He has in a sense, he has witnessed to us of what he has done for us. And he's, he's bringing that to their attention here as we get very millennial as Christ returns and begins to bring people back. Let's think about it as, as we not only recognize that, but also recognize how God has brought, how God has brought us to him. Fear not, verse 5. For I am with you. I'll bring your descendants from the east. I'll gather you from the west. I'll say to the north, give them up. And to the south, don't keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, whom I've created for my glory. Yes, I've formed him. I have made him. God, this gives the purpose for mankind's existence right here. It's a purpose for your existence and my existence. We have been created for God's glory to serve him. And, and, and for his glory, bring out the blind people who have eyes, the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this? Who, who, who can show us these formal things, these former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified. Or, or let them hear and say it's truth. Then he says in verse 10, you are my witnesses, said the Lord, says the Lord. We, not only have we seen it, hopefully we have, not only have we seen God do this in our lives, but we are also, as, as we read last time, where Christ said to the apostles, you shall be witnesses of me. You shall, you shall discuss, you shall state or assert what you have seen and what you've heard and what you know. You, you are a witness to that and you will witness in that as you bear record of, of that. And, and in a sense, that, that martyrdom, that, that whole concept of being a, a part of uh, the sacrifice for Christ in, in going forward and being willing to do so is all in play here. You are my witnesses of these things, says the Lord, verse 10. And, and notice what he says just after that. And you, in a sense, you also, you are my servant whom I have chosen. We are God's servants whom God has chosen. For what reason? That, that we may know and believe him. 
and understand that I am he, he says. Before me, there was no other God formed, nor, nor shall there ever be after me. I, even I, am the eternal. Besides me, there is no Savior. I've declared and I've saved, I've proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses. We are witnesses of that. It is a tremendous blessing that God's given us to have witnessed that and seen that and experienced it in our own lives. And there is an accountability with that. There is a responsibility with that to go forth and then state that, to be in a position to proclaim that. That's part of the 1 Peter 3.15 kind of concept that uh, we'll discuss here in just a bit. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God in the workplace in the schools, with one another, are, are we witnesses in terms of, of, of our example and the way that we talk and the way that we think and the words that come to mind as, as we interact with others that God is God. Indeed, before the day was, I am He. And there's no one who can deliver out of my hand. I'll work. Who, who can reverse what I do? Verse 14, thus says the Eternal, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I'll send to Babylon. I'll bring them all down as fugitives, the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am the Eternal, your Holy One. I am the Creator of Israel, your King. So, so do, we, do we recognize that? Do we recognize that responsibility and that accountability of what God has given us and how we must proclaim that? How we must proclaim that as we're in uh, situations uh, with, with others, both in and out of, the, uh, out of God's faith. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1. speaks to this. We know, I, I think most of us are familiar with that passage in uh, Mark 38, 8, Mark 8, 38, where he says, uh, Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my word in this adulterous and sinful generation, so shall the Son of Man be ashamed uh, when he comes before the glory of God with his holy angels. We are not to be ashamed of that in any way. We are to bear witness of what is true. You know, think, think about what, what our nation is celebrating right now. They're, they're celebrating bringing, we got to bring in the new year. We got to bring it in with revelry. We got to bring it in with, with drinking heavily uh, and, and all the uh, uh, illicit kind of behavior that, that is centered around this whole new year celebration. The ninth commandment in God's Ten Commandments states, we shall not bear false witness. We just saw our nation celebrate another Christmas. I always try to go back and, and look at the, the accounts of, of Christ's birth, the events leading up to that, John the Baptist and Christ's birth, uh, every time during, uh, during this time of year. Although we, we recognize that that probably took place in the fall, but as we see all of the, the joy and the merriment around us, it, I always find it critical to go back and, and look at God's Word and, and see the true witness, the true witness that Zacharias gave by his actions, uh, that, that Mary gave by hers, the, the, the discussions that Luke says, I'm going to pass this on, the things that, that uh, I have heard and learned uh, from. The, the true witness. Could we as God's people, not only be in danger of, of bearing false witness uh, at times, but, but in certain situations where we could be 
in, in and around other people and, and all of a sudden a question's asked or why are you not doing this or, or come on over, we're going to do this, we're going to party tonight, come on, come on party with us. Uh, and there's that, that, that thing or that thing that catches really quickly like do, do, do I say anything at this point? Do I, do I kind of go along with things? Do I, do I use this as an opportunity? Again, if uh, you know, we pray that our words would be seasoned with, with grace and salt. But am I willing to, to give an account or, or bear record or, or be that, that witness of what is true and right? Or, or sometimes are we caught off guard with a quick question and think, okay, this is going to create a situation. I, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. Even though I've been asked this way, I'm going to kind of deflect it by not really, not really saying what needs to be said. Again, we want, to, we want to use wisdom in all of those things. But to where there is a bit of shame there when we're not fully prepared to, to answer the question as we ought, to stand up for what we ought. I've been guilty of that. I, I strive to, to be aware of that and to be ready to do that because I, I'm accountable to God for bearing true witness of what I have seen and what I have heard and what I know. And it's an honor to be able to do that. It was an honor for Paul. It was an honor for God's people down through the years. It was an honor for the prophets to do that. What does, uh, what does Paul say to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, verse 8? 2 Timothy 1, verse 8, just after he talks about what God's Holy Spirit is. Verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the marturion. Do not be ashamed of the testimony uh, of our Lord. The evidence given, what he has testified, the witness of our Lord. He says, do not be ashamed of that. Jesus Christ witnessed that to them. Timothy, you were given that same testimony of Jesus Christ. You were given that, that, th those words that were witnessed by Jesus Christ. He says, don't be ashamed of that. Nor of me, Paul says, his prisoner. But share with me, share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. All of this is tied to the gospel, the gospel of, of who Jesus Christ was, his role in all of this, the, the gospel of the coming kingdom of God and, and all that that entails. Share in that. Take that on. It is, it is a testimony. It is a witness that we... Uh, convey to others. This one who has saved us, he's called us with a holy calling. This is what we've been given, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But now this has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who's abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We're recipients of that. Paul talks about his role. He was appointed a preacher. He was appointed an apostle. He was appointed a teacher of the Gentiles. He said, this is the reason I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know this, and I am, I am witness of this. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. And that's why he says then in verse 13, to hold fast the pattern of sound words which we've heard. Uh, what he had heard from what Timothy had heard from Paul in faith and love, the same things which are in Christ 
Jesus. So are we not ashamed of what we've heard, but instead are we, are we holding fast to it? Are we holding fast to it in our lives? It's critical. God looks to us to be witnesses of, of him, to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Hebrews 2. We'll read the passages immediately prior to what Mr. Bennett covered in his sermonette. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 speaks again to this, this thread of witness, witnessing that has continued from the beginning of time. Uh, and that uh, goes forward into the millennium and, and through the great white throne judgment. Hebrews 2 speaks to that. Uh, we'll spend a little bit of time he, in Hebrews here as we uh, try to flesh this out a bit. Remember now, Hebrews 1 talks about uh, the, the role, he talks about ultimately the, the role of the Son, and then by extension later, mankind, uh, as, as Mr. Bennett talked about, in, in contrast to the role of, of angels who are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for, for those of us who will in, inherit salvation. Now, now verse, verse 1 of chapter 2, this, this speaks directly to me, this speaks to you. He, knowing what we understand and knowing what the significance of all of this, this uh, of the role of this individual, the, the son who was heir of all things, who is heir of all things, who was the express image of his person. He says, therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to, heed to these things uh, of what we've heard, lest we drift away. We can drift. We can drift away from this. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we, the ones who have, have witnessed what we have, what we've seen and heard and know, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, as we, as we look at verses three, 3 and 4, notice all that's going on here. The, this concept, again, of, of speaking or being able to assert the things that they know and, and have seen and heard, he starts talking about all that have, that have witnessed in that respect. So look what it says here. Which at first began to be spoken by the Lord. Speak, uh, speaks of, of Jesus Christ, the things that were spoken by him. It was confirmed to us, uh, the author of Hebrews states, by those who heard him, the, the eyewitnesses of Jesus, the ones who were there. He said, you shall be witnesses. And they were witnesses of that. They, they witnessed, they spoke forth the things that they had come to understand and grasp of the things that they had seen, heard, and, and knew. Notice next, verse 4, we, we not only have Jesus Christ, we not only have the, the ones who were eyewitnesses and, 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 and heard him, but then we see God himself also, verse 4, bore witness. God also bearing witness, and God did that through signs and wonders with very, various miracles. God has, has, has done that to where... Uh, He's saying not only is it, is it Christ, not only is it, is it those who heard him, God himself witnesses. He, he speaks forth uh, and, he, and he does that through his actions, signs and wonders. And then the fourth element here, look at this, and also gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, who receives those? We do, don't we? We receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God bears witness he bears witness, uh, speaking forth of, of all the things that are true and right 
through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he, that he places in each of us, and he does this according to his own will. That's why, you know, Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10, that's why they're such a big deal. That's why it, it's such a, hey, don't neglect this. This is serious stuff. Those who have tasted of, of the heavenly gift, partakers of the Holy Spirit, this, this is a major deal. Not only is it, a, is it a major deal what he's given us and, and our deep appreciation for that, but also the responsibility and the accountability for us to bear, bear witness of that as we interact with others through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God has placed in us. We get that? We understand that? I think we do. So let's look now uh, in Hebrews 11. I, w- I want to talk about how this, this has been a thread down through time. It goes all the way back, obviously, to, to God the Father and Jesus Christ as, as creators uh, of, of, of the universe itself and the witness that they bore through that creation. We'll see that in a bit. But let's, let's go back to the fourth person of humanity, the fourth person that came into humanity. Who was that? It was Abel, wasn't it? Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, uh, the confidence, the conviction, the assurance of, of what we can't see, but the, the knowledge that, and the understanding that it is there. It's, it's done through faith of, of God in us. It, it's done through our, our faith uh, in God and, and the faith of God, uh, God working with us and, and creating that and our yielding to that and believing that. Notice verse 2, for by it the elders, those who have come before us, those who are, are he's going to be discussing here, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. They obtained a good report from, uh, from God as God viewed them, a, a good martyrio. There, it's that martus, martyrio, all of those words tied together. They obtained that by, by what they believed, even though they didn't, uh, they didn't see that. He says, verse 3, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which were seen were not made of things which are visible. Verse 4, By faith Abel, Abel offered to God. Abel believed, and, and through that he had action. He, he did action uh, in in. in demonstrating what he believed. Through that, look at this, he offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness. He, he, he obtained a, a, a testimony. He obtained a report. He obtained a, a record that he was righteous, that he obtained that witness. God, and there's the same word again involved here, testifying of his gifts, these, these gifts that, that God, that, uh, that here Abel through giving them uh, and, and Abel's approach in, in serving God, God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. It, what, he, what he's saying is, is, is even though Abel is dead, Abel is, 
metaphorically, he is, his, his record, his life, that we have that history of his life and that history of his righteous acts and in doing what he believed, it's, it's as if he's still speaking of the things that he knew and he heard and that he, uh, that he said. All of his actions that he did, it, it's still this testimony uh, that, that goes for us as, as a, a reference uh, of of who and what God is and what God did through him. It says the same of Enoch. Look at this, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. We won't go into the details of that. Uh, you can look on Life, Hope, and Truth to, to go through that uh, discussion. But notice this, because God had taken him, for because he was taken, he had this testimony. He had this martyrio uh, that he pleased God. By his actions, it bore record, it left a, a testimony of witness that he had served God. So we see faith following up with actions. We bear witness to others, we bear witness to God uh, by our actions as we follow through with what we, we know and believe. Paul was was big on this aspect of, of witnessing. And Paul was big, the Apostle Paul was big on the aspect of, of being a true witness uh, for God, uh, to God as he, uh, as, as he served God in all things, but also as he gave uh, an understanding and a description of what had happened to him in his life. Let's look at a, an example here in Acts 26. Acts 26, as we see this, this thread of of witnessing continuing. Acts, uh, Acts 26, verse 12. Acts 26, verse 12. Paul is coming before King Agrippa. He's, he's in the process of, uh, after his appeal to Caesar, uh, it eventually leads towards him being sent to Rome. But he's brought before King Agrippa. And he says, he, in verse 2, he says, I, I'm happy. I think myself happy. I am happy to describe what happened. I'm happy, in a sense here, he's saying, I'm happy to witness this, to speak forth and proclaim what I have seen, what I have heard, and what I know. I am only too happy to do this, King Agrippa. Look at verse 12, uh, as this is recounted several times in in Acts. Uh, I like the way it's written in, in this portion here. While thus occupied, Paul says, as I journeyed to Damascus with, the, with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, this is what I saw. I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me. This, this happened. And I, I'm, I'm Happy to say it. Uh, and, and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the, the goads. Verse 15. So I said, well, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you, Paul, for this purpose. I have appeared to you to make you a minister, a, a servant, a, a minister. Notice what it says and a witness. Yes, you have, have, you have watched this and you have seen this, and you're, but, but it's, it, this term brings out the, 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 the implication or the, the extrapolation that you are to witness that. You are to testify of, of what you have seen. 
He says, I, I make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you've seen the things which, and, and the things that I have yet to reveal to you. And God does that with each of us as, as we live life and as we're learning things. We, uh, we are a witness of what we have seen, but he also through life gives us experiences to help us uh, learn more and, and things that he reveals to us as we go forward in life. He says, I'm going to deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. And, and your ro role here is to, uh, that, that I will do through you is to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are set apart by faith in me. Is, is, that, is that the role of the ministry only? Is that not our role? Uh, our, our, I mean... Obviously, we, we see within the church, we see the roles of, of various offices within the church. But we also see through Scripture, by extension, our role to be ready, to, to, to be ready to talk about that as we're asked. To, to be happy to discuss what we know because we're not ashamed of God's Word. To be happy to, to stand up for the hope that lies within us with meekness and fear. Paul did that gladly. And God gave him, Jesus Christ gave him the ability to say what needed to be said when, it, uh, when it, he was called upon. So Paul did that, and, and he was not disobedient to God in that and was not ashamed of that, but did his part as, as an example and through his preaching as God worked with people to, to turn them to uh, repentance. Let's turn to 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6, 1 Timothy 2 also gives us an, uh, an interesting statement uh, in verse, uh, verses 6 and 7. I'll read that while you're turning to 1 Timothy uh, 6, but in 1 Timothy 2, verse, verse 6, he says in speaking of, of Jesus Christ uh, and God, there's, there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, uh, men, the man Christ Jesus, the one who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, to be marturion, to be witnessed of uh, in due time. He says that's why he was appointed a preacher and an apostle, to speak the truth in Christ, not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. First Timothy 6 talks about how we, as we live our lives, not only are our witnesses by, by what we say, but also by how we act. How are we acting? How are we behaving as we interact with others? When they see us, do they see something that's different? Do they see genuine love for others? Do they see a genuine love for God's way of life? Verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight that good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. We heard about the, the good fight of faith uh, last, last week as, as Mr. Taylor talked about armoring uh, up with, with God's armor and, and not being found naked. Uh, but, but fight that good fight of faith with all the, the, the armament and the, the weaponry that God uh, has given us and hold on to eternal life to which you were called. This is the whole reason that we are called and, and we've confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses 
He says, I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, this being, Jesus Christ, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. What's he saying there? Well, Christ was there and he, and he saw all this and watched it all. He's not talking about that, is he? He witnessed, he said forth, he spoke forth what he knew, what he saw, what he heard, his whole experience of, of, of recognizing uh, his eternity with, with God the Father, the whole plan of God. Keeping all of that in mind, he spoke forth what needed to be said as the faithful witness for God in the presence of Pontius Pilate. That was the good confession. He says that I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Jesus Christ, the one who did all that, that we, through our actions, verse 14, keep this commandment without spot and blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he'll manifest in his own time, this one who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, as uh, Mr. Salyer covered a couple of weeks ago in his message, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. We are to hold fast that, 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 that good confession of, of, of God's way of life and, and witness that as we have opportunity uh, before others, as Christ did with Pilate. Paul especially was careful of wanting to make sure he always gave the truthful witness. Um, we see the story. Let's, let's read this as we're, as we're about to wrap this up here. Let's see this example here in Acts 14. That, that's the part where uh, they healed a person. And as a result, the, the folks were calling them gods and, and wanting to sacrifice to them and everything. And... Uh, Paul and Barnabas wanted to set the record straight on this because they wanted to be faithful witnesses of God, speaking forth the, the truths of God and, and the ways of God uh, that were accurate. Acts 8, Acts 8, Acts 14, verse 8, my fault, sorry. Acts 14, verse 8. So uh, they talk about healing this, this cripple uh, and... Uh, Barnabas, they called Zeus, Paul, they called uh, Hermes, uh, so Jupiter and Mercury here because uh, he was the chief uh, speaker. So all, all of this happened, we'll, we'll jump through here to, uh, to verse 14. So when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out, saying, men, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. And, and we preach to you that you should turn from these useless things, turn to the living God who made the heaven. God made the heaven. God made the earth. God made the sea and all the things that are in them who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, look at this, verse 17, Nevertheless, God, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good. God gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with good, uh, with food and gladness. God did not leave himself without witness. God witnessed uh, who he is as creator. He spoke forth uh, by his actions, not only by the words of, of the word of God who interacted with these individuals in the Old Testament, but God as creator 
witness to mankind. And that, that's why I think part of the, that issue with Romans 1 about where they're, they're, they're without excuse there, or it's, they're, they're crossing a dangerous line because God says it, it's apparent as we look across uh, the globe and we see space and we see uh, the, the beauty around us that God witnessed to us uh, that there is a higher being that has created and yet they say no, uh, no, we didn't that, that didn't happen. And as a result, God gave them over to a debased mind. Uh, there, there is an element that God leaves, even if he's not calling or drawing all to him now, as creator, he witnessed to mankind through his creation. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them. But, but Paul and Barnabas wanted to be truthful, faithful witnesses of God's way of life. Okay, let's get to the, the, the heart of what I, I wanted to get to here today by going to Hebrews 11 now. Hebrews 11. Was, because I, I, in studying this recently, I, I came to understand that I think I understood a, a, a bit of this, but uh, in, in recent studies, I, I think I've, I've begun to understand a little bit more fully what's going on at the end of Hebrews 11.39 through Hebrews 12, verse 2. Now, we see, remember we talked about, we talked about Abel, we talked about Enoch. These two individuals who through their testimony, uh, through their, their actions, uh, through their, their witness, their, their actions, they, they obtained witness that they were righteous. Uh, they, they, through their actions, declared that God was who he was uh, through their beliefs and, and, and how their beliefs followed through with action. We see all of these, these, these patriarchs, we see all of these individuals, men and women, that are listed in, in, in Hebrews 11, who were witnesses. Not, not only did they see and hear and, and know and understand, but through that Greek word, they, they witnessed that. They proclaimed that. They stated that. And, and they stated that through their words, and they stated that through their actions. That, that is written for us. That's written for us as God's people to, to recognize the depth of that, not, not just for the ministry, not just for the media department to, to proclaim that, but we in our lives as we live, as we have opportunity to interact with one another, one another and as questions arise, we, we, are, we are there to, to represent God and to, to witness in that respect. So verse 39, all these... All these individuals, some who had been delivered, some who uh, had, been, had been stoned uh, and, and imprisoned and, and torn apart, torn asunder, all of these individuals, verse 39, having obtained a good testimony, there's that word again, a good, a good record, a good uh, martyria, a good report, uh, a good witness before God, uh, through faith, they did not receive the promise. God, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Now, now here's where I think I, I had a limited understanding. Uh, in, in, in verse 1, I've always read verse 1 from this perspective. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded 
by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's, uh, it's been talked about, and, and, and I think this is true. I, I think this is a dimension. It may be, even be a primary dimension, but I don't think it's the only dimension that's being talked about here. In, in a sense, this is metaphorically, I, the way I've always understood this, is, is it's metaphorically being talked about, okay, yes, these people have died, right? You, the living know that they should die, but the dead know nothing. All, all these people that have come before, they're dead, they're resting in the grave. Uh, but they, in a sense, metaphorically, are like a, a, a cloud of witnesses that are, are watching as, as you and I run our race. Uh, what's he say here? Uh, uh, in, uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We look to Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. So in a sense, it's, it's, it's referenced as they're in a sense like the, the crowd of witnesses that, that is there watching us run the race. You know, come on, you can do it. Uh, as that kind of thing, and I, and I think that is a, is, is a significant element, but I, but I think it's, it's just as critical for us as we look at the context of all of Hebrews 11, we are surrounded by a group of individuals who have witnessed, actively witnessed, these individuals who lived their lives, they saw, they heard, they knew and as a result, they lived that life and they gave that good report by their actions, their, their belief in God, their actions that stemmed from that belief and that assurance of what awaited them, that homeland that, that is ahead. This, this group of individuals that are, that are they. they. They are the ones who did that. Those, those are the groups that, that we... Uh, are, are part of. We're surrounded by these individuals and God wants us to, to be that same witness in that respect of, of being able to, to set that example. So as a result of that, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. What sin is ensnaring you? What, what sin has the potential to ensnare you and me right now? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, as, as we look to Jesus Christ who, who did that. The manner in which these individuals uh, lived and died was based on their faith in God and the faith of God which was in them. Two final passages. Revelation 12, verse 11. Revelation 12, verse 11. I find myself as uh, we get nearer and nearer to the return of Jesus Christ this passage continues to, to jump out at me uh, as something that I, Andy, have to very much keep in mind. Uh, Mr. Taylor talked about how we overcome this accuser of the brethren, and, and we see these. You've heard us go through this before. You've read this. But I think it speaks to the topic today as well, how we overcome this this evil being who seeks to destroy us. Verse 11, how did they overcome him? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's how we, we overcome uh, Satan the devil, recognizing being redeemed by Jesus Christ's blood, that we are now his, uh, 
and, and, and through that, we're, we're under God's grace and under his protection. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their marturia, by the word of their testimony, by the word of their witness, by the word of the record of the report of their lives, that this is what they believed. God saw it. He sees that. And by everything that they did and, and said, that, that testimony of what they testified uh, was how they overcame this, this great evil being. And they did not love their lives to the death. Boy, that stares right in all of our faces as we go forward. This next year, will we overcome him, the, the, the adversary, allowing the blood of the Lamb to continue to keep us in that state of what Jesus Christ has done to continually be washed in the blood of the Lamb by the word of the, the testimony and not loving our lives to the death. Finally, let's go to Ezekiel 40. <laughs> Ezekiel 40. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Set God apart in our hearts. Uh, and always be ready to give an answer of the reason of the hope that lies within us with meekness and fear. Always be ready to, to give that apologia, uh, that, that, that answer, that, that defense. Now, you know, we, we often look at that with respect to understanding the doctrines and the teachings of, of what are true and right. And, and yes, very, very critical because God's Spirit works with truth. They, they have to be in concert with one another. But, but the passage says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. God uh, dwells in us through the power of His Holy Spirit, that, that witness of, of his spirit as we read in 1 John 5 sanctify him in your hearts and be ready to give a reason uh, uh, of, of the hope that lies within us what we know and what we understand what we've seen and what we even though we haven't seen it we declare that there's a homeland and we are going towards that homeland that is what we see and what we know and we're ready to talk about that and we talk about that with all meekness and fear not in a vain or, or, or prideful way we, we, we witness, we state or assert what we have seen, heard, or know. We do that as we bear record of how we live. We do that as we bear record of it by what we say and the manner in which we say it. We do that by the, by the, the record of our thought processes. What are you and I thinking about right now? What are, we, what are we dwelling on? What are we thinking about as we go forward? What is truly important in our lives? What drives us as we go forward in our thought processes? We bear record of it. We bear that testimony through our prayer, our study, our reflection with God and thankfulness. And we bear record of it by the focus on which we place our hope. Ezekiel 40 is a directive to, to Ezekiel, this prophet of the last, uh, the last portion of Ezekiel, uh, talking about what's going to happen in the millennium, in the reign of Jesus Christ, when the temple is set up there in Jerusalem and, and God's ways are reestablished. Uh, I, I find it interesting how this is stated here of what Ezekiel is to do. And, 
And I think by extension, as we think of all that we have seen and what we have heard and what we have known and what we've experienced, how God holds us accountable in the same manner. Ezekiel 40, verse 1. In the 25th year of our captivity, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after the city was captured, city was captured, what, 585, 586, uh, in the earlier captivities, one of the earlier captivities was around 597, so, uh, so we're going from 597 all the way down uh, into the 14th year after uh, the city was captured, uh, so into the 570s uh, now. So he says, uh, on the very same day, the hand of the eternal was upon me, and he took me there. In the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel, and he set me on a very high mountain. On it toward the south was something like the structure of a city. He took me there, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of bronze, and he had a line of flax and a measuring rod in his hand, and he stood in the gateway. Again, I think of Hebrews 11, those those witnesses who, who spoke of, of a homeland, of, of, of building city and maker uh, was God, all of the, the, the things that they saw. He's giving Ezekiel the opportunity to see this here. And the man said to me, verse 4, Son of man, look with your eyes and hear with your ears. Fix your mind on everything that I show you. For you were brought here so that I might show them to you. And here's what you're to do. Declare to the house of Israel everything you see. God the Father witnessed and continues to witness. Jesus Christ witnessed during his life and continues to witness. The Hebrews 11 folks witnessed and the witness of their actions and the witness that they gave continues to speak on even after they're dead. The prophets, as we see here, uh, Ezekiel, gave witness of what they had seen. The apostles did that as well. And the church, the church down through the ages. You know, it gives me pause as I think about that passage that we quoted last time. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness unto all the nations, and then shall the end come. What have we witnessed? And, 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 and are we, as we interact with others, are we recognizing that, uh, that our lives serve as a witness to others as part of the gospel, as part of the good news of the coming kingdom of God? We serve in that capacity. As we press on, brethren, what kind of witness will we bear?